welcome back to the FinTech Podcast. Turn up the volume, grab your coffee. We are set and ready to bring you new and exciting content for 2021. For this week's episode, our special guest is Lisa Lyon, founder of My Pension ID. And you've probably already guessed it, we are talking about all things pensions for this episode. We had the pleasure of talking to her just before the end of 2020 and to find out more of what a pension is, how you can track it, and how her company simplifies and secures the pension process when keeping your data up to date. Hi Lisa, welcome to the FinTech podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. Pretty dreary day out there, but it's all good. I was going to say, I'm uh, I'm working from home today and it I kind of wished I had a better view, you know, like a beach or something, but it just seems to be a lot of rain happening. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do have a beach outside my on my view. So <laughs> I'm actually, yeah, I'm actually on the south coast. <laughs> Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess it's still a bit of um, a bit of a nice scene to have outside. I think at the moment it's just 2020 is not something that is being fun to have at the moment, is it? No, it's not going to be a good memory, is it? <laughs> <laughs> what we'll do is, because obviously I've um, luckily got some time to talk with you today, um, could we just maybe start off with you giving our listeners a little bit of background information about yourself, anything to kind of paint them a picture of who you are, um, and yeah, anything with that, Lisa. Okay, great. So my name's Lisa Lyon, and I'm the uh, founder of My Pension ID, and I'm the managing director of Target Professional Services. That is a data verification company, or some might call it a tracing company. I've been doing it for many, many years, kind of fell into it, <laughs> um, as you do with uh, a lot of professions. I definitely didn't leave school thinking I'm going to be a tracing expert <laughs> or a data <laughs> expert, but have found myself um, becoming that. <laughs> so it's really kind of evolved or your path has kind of shaped into something over time, hasn't it? Absolutely. And I think that changing with your environment or changing with the needs of uh, the economy uh, shapes who you are. If you are, if you're able to adapt to that change and you're a driven person, then you do find yourself down a path that you perhaps hadn't um, had the foresight that you would be there when you were leaving school. So I suppose in a way it's almost like, um, would you say it's getting out of your comfort zone or not necessarily know what you've got yourself in for? kind of drives you to have more ambition with what you're doing? Um, I definitely like a challenge. I enjoy a challenge. And I think that personally, if you don't step outside of your comfort zone, A, you're never going to learn and you won't grow as a person. And so I find myself forever (laughs) stepping outside of my comfort zone, (laughs) definitely to um, solve challenges um, that we face in, in business. So you mentioned just then obviously about um, the company Target and how you branched on now to do my pension ID. I just wanted to ask you, you know, because I've I've done a bit of research on my pension ID and it does look uh, rather fascinating. Could you just talk to me a bit about how the idea actually came about for for it? Yeah, sure. So um, as I mentioned, I'm the um, managing director of um, Target Professional Services, which is a a data verification company, as I said, um, but we service the pension sector. So um, back in 2001, when I bought the company, it was very much focused in the debt sector, looking for people that didn't want to be found. Um, But when I took it um, over in 2001, I saw an opportunity in the pension sector 
in locating people that did want to be found. So I transferred those skill sets over into the um, pension sector and the company grew through innovation and uh, providing services that met the challenges that the pension industry faced at the time. And one of them was mortality screening. So um, in a pension world, when payments are being made to elderly people, there wasn't really um, an efficient way to verify if somebody was alive before they were paid. And so we introduced a service whereby we scanned the government death records to validate whether or not the pensioner that month that was due to be paid was actually alive. So introducing that process saved um, pension schemes uh, millions of pounds, but also improved the service, improved the process for the surviving spouse. Um, So if there was a spouse pension, it could be paid promptly rather than it taking some time. So that worked in the UK, but internationally, it didn't work. (laughs) Um, There wasn't a data set internationally (laughs) that we could scan and and replicate that service. So we did look and we did a lot of research, but it just didn't exist. There's too many laws, regulations in different countries preventing you from having access to that data. And so we thought outside the box. Um, We looked at the financial industry and we looked at what technology was being used in the financial industry. And then we came across biometrics and uh, we came up with this clever idea that, hey, why don't we use um, biometrics to verify if someone's alive um, and get them to do it really um, simply on a tablet or a phone device. And so that's how my pension well that's what was the original idea of my pension ID which has then even grown further (laughs) because what we did is we took it out to so we built a prototype with the biometric piece in there took it out to clients and said what do you think and they said oh yeah it's great but could you add in the spouse details so we really need to know who we need to contact yeah okay we could do that and actually could you could you add in the bank details as well because we want to make sure that we're paying the person the right person too so we said yeah sure we can do that too so we developed the app to incorporate those two services and then as a tracing company we have millions of records ourselves uh, looking after data and we could see that like one person might have several pensions for three or four different clients. But because of data protection, we wouldn't be able to um, share that. We had to individually work for each scheme. And so we thought, well, hold on a minute. What about if we spun this around? And what if we made my pension ID so that the members in control of their data and actually we link up all of their pensions into one dashboard on that app? And so that's what we did. Uh, so yeah it's very exciting at the moment yeah I think for me to be honest Lisa you know um someone who's you know has a passion for fintech but is for myself I'm learning every day you know with everything that is going on in the fintech industry so that sounds like a lot of work that's kind of actually accumulated into something quite successful so would you say there were any other challenges that you faced with that um for sure I had no experience of fintech at all when we came up with the idea and so it was a real steep learning curve we had this brilliant idea and we knew that the technology existed but how did we create it 
And so mm. we want we went on a learning journey, shall we say, <laughs> to be able to deliver um, what we have delivered with security in mind, with the consumer's journey in mind. So it has been it's been a big challenge, but it's been a real big challenge that I've enjoyed. I was going to say, it sounds like something that's really paid off that actually you have over time, you know, with every step have kind of come to a very positive outcome. It's something that's actually you're pushing yourself out there, aren't you? Yes. And we are. um, So in, in Target, our values are very strong within the company and we have a strong belief that people should be in control of their data. They should be able to share the data with who they want to share with and what data they want to share with. And then when we were looking at linking up all of the pensions, we know that there are, for example, I think it's 34 billion pounds worth of pensions out there that are not claimed, so they're unclaimed. Wow. And so there are companies out there that will consolidate. So they'll say, we'll find your pension for you, um, but you need to consolidate it to us. So that kind of goes against our ethics. And we believe that everyone should be in con- in control of their money as well, because you might find a pension, for example, that's a DB scheme that has a spousal uh, benefit on there. And it may not be appropriate that it's uh, transferred into um, one pension pot. So how can you make that choice before you know what, what pensions you have? And so our message or our promise to the people Um, so to speak, is that we believe you should be in control of your data. We believe you should be in control of your finances, your money. And actually, there isn't any conditions attached to that. So you're free to do what you want. Yeah, I was just about to say, it sounds exciting because as a consumer, with any product that you're using, you want to know how you're using it. You want to know, in this case, where your money is or, you know, how you can access everything. Absolutely. Um, So I suppose as um, hopefully our listeners have gathered now that the topic for this podcast is going to be all things pensions, Mm -hmm. uh, some of which hopefully is going to be new information that they can uh, find out, some of which just kind of um, will give us time for you, Lisa, to kind of break it down and explain a bit more about what goes into a pension. So I just want to ask you, um, what sets the pensions industry apart from the rest of the financial sector? You know, how does it differ? Well, Everyone will have a pension that's been working due to auto enrolment, but and as everyone will have a bank account, but not everyone is engaged with a pension because a lot of the the younger generation think, oh yeah, that's for when I retire. Um, I can't touch it right now, so I'm not really engaged with it. So the pension mm-hmm. sector have this real challenge of how do we engage with people? How do we how do we how do we make pensions exciting? How do we connect? with the owner of the pension. So it's a real challenge in the pension industry and especially the demographics of people as well. So you could be dealing with a 93 year old and you could be dealing with a 25 year old. You know, their needs are not the same and their communication needs are not the same either. Absolutely, it sounds almost like um, one thing I try to have in mind is a pension to simplify it as something it is sort of, it's like it's, the pot of money you have for a rainy day, it's there, it's going to be there in years to come, but you can't touch it. And I think having that for the mindset of someone of the uh, younger generation, uh, you know, certain demographics, because they know they can't necessarily touch it, Mm -hmm. or they can't access it, they don't know really how it works. 
Is that something that would be fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. It's like an IOU. So if you lent me £100 today and I said to you, right, I'm going to pay that back to you with interest when you get to the age of 60 or 65 or whatever, whatever time you want to retire, are you going to lose contact with me? Probably not. But when it's like an employer that's it's almost like it's invisible money. The money's coming out of your salary or your your employer's putting money into this pension pot. We need to try and change the way people think about that, that that's your money. You own that money and you need to keep track of it. You need to know where it is all the time because you move around a lot. And the last thing you're going to think about updating the address on is your pension pot that you had when you were 23 or or 24 years old because yeah people people just don't it's just trying to change the way you think people think about it it's almost like you know you have um I suppose your digital footprint that is your pension you see the numbers or you see it in black and white and you know it's there but because like you said it's almost like it's invisible money mm-hmm. um I suppose for some consumers it might then turn onto its monopoly money where in theory it isn't it, it's real money it's just you know it will be there one day for you <laughs> yes yes <laughs> yeah and it's just trying um, to it's <laughs> trying to get people to think about it in that way yeah absolutely I think um moving on to that for a second what would you say we've touched a little bit on some of the challenges of getting people to sort of comprehend what a pension is but um is there anything else that you'd want to mention with um any of the biggest challenges for the pension schemes um, well, the, pen- the challenges for the pension schemes are to keep their data up to date. And as I just mentioned about engaging with that was such a wide range of age of people, it's a real challenge for them. And especially a lot of the auto enrolment uh, companies or pensions, they, they don't have any money to be able to do that. And so keeping the data accurate and up to date is a massive challenge, but making it easy for a member to do that and making it secure and putting the the owner owner back on the member to keep their data up to date is I think is has got to be the way forward because something's got to change because if we have if we end up when we retire at 65 that or later with multiple pensions there's got to be an easy way for for us as individuals to be able to keep our address up to date, to keep our details up to date. We may not be interested in the value of that until we get into our 40s maybe, but the education needs to be before we're 40 is, this is a pot of money. We don't know how much it's gonna be worth when you do retire, but you need to take it around with you. You need to keep it up to date. We've made it easy for you. It's secure technology you're used to using anyway. You can simply and easily do it. Yeah, it takes a couple of minutes to do rather than filling out a form, remembering a password for a pension portal. It's just simplifying the process. I think that's one of the things which, like you've just said, you know, trying to remember a password. We know how many, you know, it, <laughs> how many passwords someone has, you know, for their uh, day to day things that they need to access. Um, by the sounds of it, something which um, seems to be that my pension ID does is like you've just said, you're simplifying, simplifying that process for the consumer. Something that's really going to affect their customer experience to make it easier, because at the end of the day, anything to do with pensions, pension schemes, it's something which you don't need added stress. You don't need to think, what if, you know, even if at points you think, of course, I've got my pension for a split second. You've forgotten that you've got this nice little uh, safe, safe um, 
bucket hopefully bigger than a bucket um but um yeah yeah, I think it's um it's definitely one of those things which um needs to be made more head conscious at the moment and especially in 2020 because we globally we are seeing how significant it is to prioritize your money at the moment with everything going on and that seems to be one of the things that with pensions would you say maybe with 2020 some people or uh, certain companies and consumers are probably more aware of their pensions at the moment or keeping track of every money that you know every bit of money that they're saving you know I think that Covid and the whole lockdown experience that we've all um, enjoyed I'll say um, this year has really made us all think about our work-life balance and maybe looking at our finances and what's coming out of my bank account that I didn't know about and what what money could I retire on or what money do I need to be able to save in order to be able to spend more time with the family so I think that we've all had um, those thoughts and definitely some of my colleagues have made some really not I wouldn't say um, bizarre I would say strong decisions in actually no I'm going to put my family first and I'm not going to go for that promotion or yeah so times are really changing definitely changing it definitely seems one of those things that um i think money or uh, the financial conversations we are having at the moment it seems to be very much mentioned more on a daily basis not just as uh, b2b uh, contact but actually from your own perspective you know consumers in general they seem to be thinking more like you just said you know you are counting the pennies you are thinking of where is my money going um and i think with a pension as well that does seem to be something which it's putting it back to the image of for a rainy day. If you have it there, you know, everyone's circumstances are different at the moment with 2020, you know, whether um, it's from being furloughed, working or whatnot. It is something that just seems to be quite hard for a lot of people at the moment where you are just trying to think, how can I make things work? Yeah, actually, another example of that, what you were just talking about is the child trust funds. So all of those uh, children where the child trust funds were set up 18 years ago, I mean, the circumstances of those um, children when they were taken out when they were just born, their parents are likely to have moved because they probably would have had a small house when they were babies and then they've Mm -hmm. uh, moved. Parents may not be together anymore. And actually, if the records haven't been kept up to date, then they may have even forgotten uh, about their child trust fund. And actually, I'm actually guilty of that too, because my daughter is just about to turn 18, my eldest, and I've I completely forgotten that I'm actually even in the industry but I'd moved and I'm not with her with her father anymore and because we'd not had any com any communication it didn't even occur to me um so I I then sought out to try and find out who now had the the child trust fund so my pension ID um is also a good way of helping find child trust funds because children don't know where to look it was only because mm. I was sort of educated that I I knew which place to go to where we originally took it out that had been sold on it was with someone else that I'd not heard of so I, I don't think that it's just pensions I think there's there are other aspects as well to the financial industry and savings that um, face the same kind of challenges and actually my pension ID or my digital ID would probably fit the 18 year olds a lot a lot easier than the, <laughs> the, the 90 year olds that are currently using it. I think Lisa what you've just mentioned there um, is actually something very 
significant, very important to highlight that actually, if you're not necessarily, you know, something, it could be with anything. If you've taken out something X amount of years ago um, and you yourself either don't remind yourself of what's happening or, you know, you don't make a list, let's say, of must remember, you know, it's almost like a, a long shopping list, right? I need to remember, I've got this, I need to remind myself. From the other side, not as a, a consumer, but actually a business in general, if they don't interlink the communication or let's say the reminder, that's very risky because it's almost as though you can go so many years without someone almost saying, just to remind you, this is what you've got. Just a little heads up as it's been, you know, so many months, so many years, um, you've got something very valuable or very significant or very important to you. Um, here's how we can just increase the communication between one, one another. And it goes back to then trusting the company. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, because you're, you're, yeah. you're still able to kind of, you know, remember what's going on. I think that's something which seems to be very poignant at the moment for 2020, that actually the communication between fintech companies and consumers is totally ramping up at the moment. It's kind of almost like a check-in of, you know, you hope you're well, everything okay. You know, it's almost as though your banks are kind of giving more of a human interaction, you know, with you. Yes. And um, I mean, if you look at some of the other banking apps, actually is probably a good example of how the young expect everything instantly so for example monzo and starling you know you can set up your bank account on your phone i mean who would ever have imagined 15 years ago that you'd be able to set up a bank account using your phone and you wouldn't have to go into a bank to do that <laughs> but they trust that technology and they trust that bank as well to look after their money advise them of of things digitally and so why don't we communicate why are we not using the same technology in the pensions market in the financial sector to do that the, the savings aspect and making it easy for people and secure to um, to connect with their savings and to actually know what you know as you say what they've got I'd absolutely agree with that Lisa I think it's something that needs to be especially in the fintech sector something which kind of is covered all over because if we don't have that then we are witnessing maybe innovation that is proving successfully but if you don't have the pillar of trust communication then it is going to kind of create a sort of poor counterweight where it's it, it'll work but it won't on the same level that's why you know we've what you've just said opening a bank account on your phone I've never experienced mm -hmm. that and it's almost like very surreal magic that you're trusting a device to then do it for you instead of years back when you would go into a bank have a one-on-one -on -one conversation where you could say this is what I'd like to do they would interview you Charlotte yeah <laughs> you'd go in for an interview <laughs> and now you know we're going to bypass the interview and you can just talk to your phone okay <laughs> <laughs> I just do you know what I, I probably wouldn't have thought that would ever be the case and yeah it, well it's, it's something that we're seeing every day you know with apps now giving you that easy um way of using something with the algorithms and as long as it's still maintaining the consumer's needs in mind mm -hmm. absolutely all for it but you know as long as it's not technology overtaking absolutely and, and that's a really important point um, because not everybody is tech savvy. I mean, using my pension ID, we do have, so I think our youngest member is 19 and our oldest is 93. Um, but there are some in between there that are like, uh, 
how do I use an iPad? How do I use a phone? And you're guiding them from some are like, fine, they've done it. Um, and others are, what's a selfie? You know, so mm. you're really dealing with a really broad range of people, but the desire is there to to embrace this new technology because it's easier for them, especially in you know 2020 times, to be able to do something within your own home rather than have to go and get a copy of a certificate here or and send that off by post, etc. Mm. So there's a real need and desire to embrace it, but uh, the the skill set requires a lot of support um, for that pension member to be able to to use the technology and there are even some that say absolutely no you know they're like scared of not scared of it but they point blank refusal to um, to embrace it and if I look at some of our clients that they all have pension portals Mm. but their adoption rates are like 15 (laughs) percent really really low because people a they've got the problem of making a pension exciting and you know as I said before if they've got three or four different portals that they have to remember the password for then you know it's unlikely that they're going to log in a lot of times and b it's you know are they really interested um they might be as they get older they might be interested but you know what people they're just not interested and unless you make something easy for them I I can't see us changing that if you don't innovate develop improve the customers needs the customers you know interaction and experience that they're having then it's just it's not going to work as a b2c relationship it's not going to help evolve over time so I suppose we've talked you know a, a nice decent chunk about how covid has kind of well it's, it's interrupted the whole of the fintech industry unfortunately you know um and one thing which like we've said we talked about uh, the importance of kind of being head orientated on where your money is going um i suppose you know if there's anything else you want to comment on um i was going to ask you know if what impact has covid had on pensions and pension schemes but i think you've talked a bit about that um if you want to maybe uh you know talk any more maybe on how it's influenced um the my pension id app um, um and its developments at all yeah of course so um historically in the pensions market everything is kind of paper driven as i mentioned about the certificates and everything else and so before covid Whilst pension schemes were very positive about the my pension ID and the changes, COVID has definitely accelerated um, the adoption of it. And a lot of clients have, whereas there'll be a whole, I mean, there is still a load of um, paperwork you have to fill out, but they've accelerated it and they've prioritised it because they haven't had any other way of verifying their pension member. And so whereas it may have taken maybe a year to implement my pension ID, it's taken a couple of months. So COVID has definitely had a positive effect on digitalisation because there's been a need on both sides. There's been a need on the pension scheme side and there's also been that need for the, the pension member as well. I think, you know, it's great to hear that actually you're experiencing something positive in 2020. You know, it, when we don't hear it a lot at the moment, but I think something for the fintech industry, which I'm seeing a repetitive sort of correlation that's happening, that it's a negative start that we've had with 2020. It's still ongoing, but actually it's affecting you now in a positive light because you can work with it. We're adapting and you can kind of 
plan on how you're going to move forward with it. Absolutely. And I really do believe that we're in this for the long term, not the short term. And I actually had that vision right at the beginning. And I think that that has helped us as a company cope and and progress and grow. You know, I mean, we've actually grown through COVID. So but having that mentality of, OK, it's change. It's it's not temporary change. This is permanent change. How are we going to how are we going to address that and how are we going to support our clients? in that um, environment it does kind of feel like the new normal now doesn't it I think having those moments now where it's almost uh, I I, I wanted to say you know we've hit we've all hit rock bottom but I don't know if that's too strong a word but it's almost like we've kind of reached the the worst feeling and now it's okay how can we use our surroundings to actually make it feel better improve ourselves and uh, you know what what you've just said it sounds like something which actually is great that you've expanded your you know developing um my pension id each day so that's that's fabulous to hear um lisa one thing i did want to ask you um which i would love to get your thoughts on with this do you face any additional challenges being a woman in, in tech um I wouldn't say that I face any additional challenges being a woman. Um, I would say that I probably face additional challenges being a mum. And it's just finding that uh, work-life balance that is acceptable to both sides. (laughs) (laughs) But then having said that, um, you know, as much as a a woman, sometimes you feel guilty about uh, not being a present mum all the time and not doing all of the school pickups, etc. I think that I am setting a good example for my children, three of them are girls, that you can achieve anything you want to achieve. You know, it doesn't matter about your gender, it doesn't matter about anything. If your vision is to be I don't know, a top ballerina or, or whatever it is. If you set your goal on that, then you can achieve it. So hopefully I, I found the right balance, but you never know, do you? <laughs> but that, I would say that that's, that's, um, that's my biggest challenge. And I think that that challenge um, it faces a lot of, of mums um, when you're I think- a businesswoman as well. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, you know, that seems to be something as well. We we talked a little bit at the start about, um, you know, working from home and getting used to that side of things. But something I have in mind is, you know, working from home. And obviously, like you said, you know, being a mum, being a full time mum at home as well. That's That's got to be quite interesting because you're having time at home to be, you know, with family like everyone else. But you're still it's almost like you've got to flick from your work mode to your family mode in the yeah, same environment. That- yeah, that is, uh, and especially during lockdown, homeschooling and working at the same time was probably one of the biggest challenges that I have faced. And yes, I have working at home and, and being a mum, normally you have that, you know, journey from the office to be able to switch off and uh, and reset and write, okay, I'm in mum mode now. But actually, it really does merge in, mm. in between because... Um, your, your workplace is your home and you know the children when they see you at home they think that you're mum and actually you might not be mum at that point in time you might be the MD <laughs> um, so but, but but they're learning as well and I think they're learning for, for a positive um, outcome too. Absolutely it's definitely something which um, luckily we can have as a 2020 mindset you know um, it sounds a bit corny but we're all in this together it's yeah. the same kind of 
we're in that same bubble of it's you know thankfully other people working from home you know other mums um you know different women are kind of in that bubble of trying to maintain uh, a career successfully and also juggle everything else in between you know that goes to any parent out there that's still mm-hmm. keeping that balance and it's something which actually it's nice to see we're all sort of working together on the same page with that absolutely um, yeah but um no Lisa I think you know I've I've thoroughly enjoyed um, our conversation I think you know hopefully a lot of our listeners have actually just gained a little bit more about what a pension is and pension schemes in general and highlighting that it's not just something which is deemed more to the older generation it's actually something which it's it doesn't need to be a red flag it just needs to be kind of like a a a virtual megaphone that kind of needs to remind um a lot of consumers how they can go about their pension how they can kind of get that set up for like I said before the pot that's there for a rainy day it's something that needs to be talked about that IOU that you can cash in when you get into your 60s. Don't exactly. lose that piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> Laminate it, keep yeah. it in a nice folder. <laughs> yeah. um, Lisa, is there anything else that you'd um, like to talk to um, talk to me about today um, before we end the conversation? No, I don't think so. It's been lovely speaking to you. Like I said, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. So thank you so much for talking to me. No, thank you. Thank you.